0: Please turn, if you will, to Psalm 32. For time's sake, this morning I'm going to focus on verses one through three, I'm sorry, one through six and verse 11 this morning. As we go through this psalm, I want us to examine ourselves in relation to verse 11, which says, "Be glad in the Lord, and rejoice, ye righteous, and shout for joy all ye that are upright in heart." Amen. Now I have a question. Are you full of joy this morning? If not, good. If not, why not? This psalm will show that we have every reason to be. In fact, reflection on the mercies and blessings described in this psalm should cause moments where we are overwhelmed with the goodness of of the Lord to such a degree that it causes us to burst forth with great rejoicing, gladness, and shouts of joy. Yes. I hope to remind us that comparatively speaking, there's really only one thing that matters in this world. There's really only one thing worth rejoicing over. And that is that our names are written in heaven. Amen. In yes. Luke 10 20, the disciples have come back, they're excited. They're telling Jesus, even the devils are subject to us. Amen. And Jesus responds as this He's, that's great. Notwithstanding in this, rejoice not. Notwithstanding in this, rejoice not that the spirits are subject unto you, but rather rejoice because your names are written in heaven. Verses 1 and 2 of this psalm will speak of those whose names are written in heaven. While presenting this, I am operating under the assumption that everybody in this room is able to apply verses 1 and 2 to themselves. If this is not the case, then this will be foolishness to you. However, if you are an elect, regenerated child of God, then this psalm should cause you to rejoice exceedingly. I follow along as I read Psalm 32. Blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man unto whom the Lord imputeth not iniquity, and in whose spirit there is no guile. When I kept silence, my bones waxed old through my ruin all the day long. For day and night thy hand was heavy upon me. My moisture is turned into the drought of summer, selah. I acknowledge my sin unto thee, and my iniquity have I not hid. I said I will confess my transgressions unto the Lord, and thou forgavest the iniquity of my sin. Selah. For this shall everyone that is godly pray unto thee in a time when thou mayest be found. Surely in the floods of great waters they shall not come nigh unto thee. Thou art my hiding place. Thou shalt preserve me from trouble. Thou shalt compass me about with songs of deliverance. Selah. <clears throat> Excuse me. I will instruct thee and teach thee in the way which thou shalt go. I will guide thee with mine eye. Be ye not as the horse or as the mule, which have no understanding, whose mouth must be held in with bit and bridle, lest they come near unto thee. Many sorrows shall be to the wicked, but he that trusteth in the Lord, mercy shall compass him about. Amen. Be glad in the Lord, yes. and rejoice, ye righteous, yes. and shout for joy. All you that are upright in heart. Amen. Yes, amen. Now, verses one and two. I'm sorry. Verses, yeah. Verses one and two are describing a man who is blessed. Now, why is this man blessed? We have four reasons given. His transgressions are forgiven, his sins are covered, the Lord will not impute iniquity upon him, and in his spirit there is no guile. This is a description of a man whose name is written in heaven. The first three characteristics of this man refer to the legal forgiveness of sins paid for at the cross of Calvary by the Lord Jesus Christ. It is describing it is describing the most lopsided transaction in the history of the world. Yes. Amen. Romans 5.8 tells us, But God commendeth his love toward us, and then while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Amen. If we were to continue reading, verse 10 would tell us that this transaction took place while we were yet His enemies. The perfect, spotless, well-beloved Son of God, the Lord Jesus Christ, was made sin for us that we might be made the righteousness of God in Him, as 2 Corinthians 5.21 tells us. Now let's put that in perspective. While we were God-hating, rebellious, blasphemous enemies who were justly and deservingly deservingly headed for an eternity in the lake of fire where we would suffer pain, sorrow, and torment beyond anything you can possibly comprehend. God sent his obedient, well-beloved Son to suffer and die so that our sins would not only, not only would they not be imputed or accounted to us, but the, but that Christ's righteousness would be imputed yes. unto us. Again, I think it's worth reading again, Second Corinthians 5.21, For he hath made him, Jesus Christ, to be sin for us, yes. who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Yes. So instead of the damnation of hell we deserve, we have been clothed in the righteousness of Christ, in which we will stand one day before the God of heaven and be accounted worthy of everlasting life. Not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy, he saved us. Rejoice. Be glad. Shout for joy. The simple fact that we know that we have been clothed with the righteousness of Christ should trump every other circumstance in our lives and cause us to rejoice continually. On top of this, the end of the verse says, In whose spirit there is no guile. How is that possible? Didn't Jeremiah tell us that the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked? Amen. So how is this possible? Because the Lord takes us who were dead in trespasses and sins and creates in us a new heart yes. or a new man that, as Ephesians four twenty-four tells us, is created in righteousness and true holiness. Amen. This is part of the vital. This is part of the vital phase of salvation. Amen. It's because of this new man that we are able to have fellowship and communion with the Lord. So not only has the Lord taken our sins and given us His righteousness, but He has also created created in us a new heart where we can have sweet fellowship with Him while in this sinful world. So I ask you, so I ask, are you full of joy? If not, why not? Now in a perfect world, this would be the end of the story. A person who has received such a blessing would do everything necessary to walk in perfect holiness and obedience to the one who gave such a priceless gift and would have perfect and continual fellowship with the Lord. Unfortunately, while in this world, we still have an old man who we can, don't have to, but we sometimes allow to bring us down. So this this is what happened to David in verses 3 and 4. Unfortunately, and to my shame, I can talk about verses 3 and 4 as one with experience. Recently, I've spent much time pondering this question. How could somebody, that somebody being me, who's been saved from so much and who had known the intimacy and joy and pleasure and peace that comes from sitting at the feet of Jesus Christ, supping with him, worshiping him, how could somebody who knew such a blessing and fully understood with overwhelming joy the blessings of being in verses one and two? How could that person end up in verses three and four? The same way David did. Yes. Yes. Because of sin that did easily because of sin that did easily beset, mm-hmm. that I was silent about, that I did not acknowledge, and I tried to hide. Then one unrepented sin leads to another, and then another. And then next thing you know, you're in Psalms 32 verses three and 4.. So what's it like to be in Psalms? 32 verses three and four. It's terrible. Psalms 38 describes it this way: "There is no soundness in my flesh because of thine anger, neither is there any rest in my bones because of my sin, because of my sin. For mine iniquities are gone over my head." It's a heavy burden. They are too heavy for me. My wounds stink and are corrupt because of my foolishness. I believe that sums it up quite well. But let's look at verses 3 and 4 for even more description. David says his bones wax old, waxed old. Do you know what old bones do? They ache. David says he roared. He was in anguish. He was frustrated. He was roaring. He was frustrated. He was like a lion who was suffering the pains of hunger, who was hurting and angry. David says the Lord's hand was heavy upon him. Thankfully, it wasn't a crushing hand. Mm. It was nevertheless the painful hand of discipline from his heavenly Father. David says his moisture was turned into drought. Whether you want to think of that as drought of the land or the dehydration of your body, both are painful and debilitating Debilitating conditions. David was miserable. I was miserable. And you will be miserable if you allow yourself into that situation. Now, you may be thinking to yourself right now, Jerry, I thought you said you were going to give us reason to be joyful. That sounds horrible. It is horrible. You're right. But rejoice, because it's fixable. If you are convicted about your sins, then it is evidence that the Lord can still be found. Yes. And, you'll ha- and all you have to do is acknowledge, yes. confess, and repent. Yes. Right. And the Lord will forgive. I'm sorry, all my mouth is getting very dry. And the Lord will forgive the iniquity of your sin right. like he did for David. Right. Is it really that simple? Yes, Amen. it's really that simple. Confess your sins, and the Lord will forgive you immediately. Regarding David's heinous sins with, against Bathsheba and Uriah, Nathan said to David, you are the man. David said, I have sinned against the Lord. Nathan said, the Lord has put away your sins. Amen. First John 1.9 puts it this way. Yes. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Amen. Elihu puts it this way. He looketh upon men, and if any say, I have sinned and preferred that which was right and it profited me not, he will deliver his soul from going into the pit, and his life shall see the light. Lo, all these things God worketh oftentimes with man yes. to bring back his soul from the pit. Yes. Yes, brother. To be enlightened with the light of the living. Amen. Now make no mistake about it, if you are truly a born-again child of God and you play with sin, you will end up in verses three and four, and maybe worse. If you have and make no mistake about it, if you have a continued if you have continued success and pleasure while living in sin, you are not a child of God. That's right. Period. Hebrews 6 tells us for whom the Lord loveth he chasteneth and he scourgeth every son whom he receiveth. If ye endure chast- chastening God dealeth with you as with sons. For what son is he whom the father chasteneth not? But if ye be without chastisement were of all our partakers then ye are bastards, ye are not sons. Right. Be thankful for chastisement. Yeah. Now let's think about how merciful and good the Lord is. He reconciled you to himself through the death of his son. He has revealed himself to you and has allowed sweet relationship where you have tasted and seen that the Lord is good. Yet we may wickedly rebel against him, but instead of utterly crushing us like we deserve... He chastises you, chastises us like a loving father, yes. not with the intent to destroy, but with the intent to restore. Yes. Mm-hmm. Rejoice. Yes. Be glad. Shout for joy. I do want to add one more thing to that. David was forgiven immediately. With that intimate, sweet fellowship that he had with with the that he had lost and desired again, it took time to renew. If you read Psalm 51, after Nathan, had le- ha- after Nathan had left and David was alone in his prayer closet, David is begging the Lord to renew in him a right spirit, to restore unto him the joy That's of right. his salvation, yeah. to yeah. heal the bones which he had broken, etc. Mm-hmm. Yes. I only bring this up could, to keep somebody from getting discouraged, to hope, if they're in this case, I, and I've experienced it myself. I had a moment in time that I can take you to where I sincerely repented, and I know by faith that the Lord forgave me that moment. But the sweet joy and relationship of that relationship was not immediately returned. There were times where I got frustrated because I didn't think it was happening fast enough. But I thank God for David's story in Psalm yes. 51. It showed me that he didn't even immediately restore that, the sweetness of that relationship with David. But I can tell you one thing based on my own experience and Psalm 51, that if you are truly repentant, nothing, nothing else will matter to you compared to restoring and renewing the joy of that relationship. Now I'm not saying it can't happen immediately. I'm just saying it doesn't always. And I wanna add something else here. Dave, this is, this is, please hear me. David was a man after God's own heart and usually did the right thing. But he was foolish in this instance. Yes. I was foolish. Others have been foolish. But you don't have to. You don't have to be foolish. You right. don't have to. Nor should you end up in verses 3 and 4. Right. Romans 6 tells us, 6-2 says, how shall, thee, how shall we that are dead to sin live any longer yes. therein? Mm-hmm. Romans 6 also tells us that sin should not have dominion over you, over mm-hmm. us. If you find yourself in verses 3 and 4, then sin has gotten dominion over you. So how do you stay out of 3 or 4? Sermons could and have been preached oh, man. by our pastor on this. But I'm going to simplify it by saying, you must keep your heart, keep thy heart with all diligence. Right. I don't have time to expound on that. But if you go to the proverb commentary from Friday, September 4th, there's a very thorough explanation of it. So if you keep your heart with all diligence, daily examine yourself, and constantly confess your sins like like 32.5 shows us, you will not have to experience the pain and shame of verses 3 and 4, and you can have continued joy and fellowship in the Lord. Amen. Rejoice. Time does not allow me to elaborate on the rest of the verses, but they are full of reasons to rejoice as well. Verse 7 speaks of the Lord protecting and delivering his faithful and obedient children in such a way that we will be singing songs of deliverance to such a degree that it is described as surrounding us. Verses 8 and 9 tell us that if we walk with the Lord, he will direct our paths, He will teach us, and he will guide us through every aspect of life. Rejoice. Verse 10 tells us that there are many sorrows for the wicked, but for those that trust in the Lord, we are again surrounded by mercies. Rejoice. So I close by asking, are you full of joy? If not, why not? Make no mistake about it. Verse 11 is not formed as a a suggestion. It is formed as a command. Choose to be happy. Choose to be glad. Choose to rejoice and shout for joy. We have every reason to rejoice in God our Savior.